first things first, I want to give a shout out to our co-host, Will Wu, and all the folks in Irvine, California, who had to evacuate due to wildfires, and therefore, uh, that's the reason why Will isn't with us tonight, but more importantly, we hope that his family and the family of all our brothers and sisters in Irvine are okay. Now let's get on to the show, MMA, BJJ, and life. BJJ and life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, the Mark Jackson of MMA Radio, along with my illustrious co-host, the man that I'll call the Playoff Rondo here of MMA Podcasting, Nick Cazono. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Oh, the Rondo reference. Yeah, right. uh-huh. give it up for Playoff Rondo, man. He you know. brought it. He hit. People <laughs> said he can't shoot. He can't. He hit threes, man. He hit threes, and he made very important uh, shots to keep the, the offense going when other Lakers were struggling. This is the Rondo that used to play for the Celtics? That's correct. Okay. The one that was right. kicked off Boston, the one that people didn't want, and here he is. In fact, I think he played with AD for a little bit in New Orleans. He's been on several teams, and and – LeBron I'm said, I want a guy friend. who's like a coach on the floor that thinks that has the, that coaching brain. And I don't care if people said if he's difficult, bring him in. Bring his ass here. Hey man, all good. Now look at him, man. Yeah, because last year, he actually played last year because they had uh, Lonzo, um, LeVar Ball, son, Lonzo Ball. And uh, so it was kind of like him and Rondo. Rondo was kind of backing him up because he was number two pick in the draft. And then this year, man, I think he was injured a little bit, man. But when he came back, that really brought this new Lakers team together because all the young guys are gone to New Orleans, and they brought oh, in all okay. these old guys. So amazing. Let me let me drink to the Lakers. Cheers. Ooh. And it's apropos, Nick, that we're talking basketball as you drink cognac. Nick Cazono, my co-host, <laughs> he of the sociology degree having – Heavy metal bass playing, uh, nursing school except uh, nursing school except e, basically nursing student now almost officially right. Almost officially, I just got to get my vaccinations in and all that stuff. But you done so been got... accepted. Yeah, I You've got been accepted. accepted. Yeah, yeah, so I gotta get you know. an amen. <laughs> so uh, I'm so excited about that. Uh, I really am. It would be like me getting accepted to law school, except that's not going to happen. Um, so anyway, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> um, it's apropos we're talking about basketball because the guest that we're supposed to have tonight is the man known on Twitter for many years now. I've been friends with him uh, for about five years, and he's been a fixture on Twitter Somebody that I've followed for probably eight or nine years. His name is Schwan Humes, known as the Black Jordan Breen. He is at once an MMA analyst and expert, striking expert, and he is also a basketball coach. 
So I was going to try to, as Nick knows, if I can ever dive into the LeBron Jordan uh, debate, I'm all at it. Like, like it's like putting like a bowl of artisan mocha almond fudge coffee ice cream in front of you. <laughs> We're you know, all over that. I'm all over it, man. There's all no over way. It. That, there's no way I can resist <laughs> something like that, man. And Ooh. Nick's going, yeah. If it's if it's vegan ice cream, give me a call. And it's true because cashew milk ice cream. I'm all over it, man. The, the vegan ice cream now is it's good stuff. Oh, oh, that cashew milk! I challenge people to eat that and tell me it's not iced regular it's ice good, cream. Man. It's it's delicious. So, I mean, so it's delicious yeah. cashew milk. I don't know if it's dark chocolate or whatever, but it's really really good. Um, yeah, some of the Ben and Jerry's uh, vegan ice creams are good too. They Actually, have a lot of them are. They, they have, have them. Yeah, oh, they have them. Oh, they got the Ben and Jerry's non dairy. Oh, oh it's good. Oh, it's good. <laughs> I'm oh. doing like Jack Tripper from Three's Company, <laughs> biting my fist. Anyway, uh, all right, so moving right along. Hopefully, uh, Schwan is going to join us. Schwan's actually he he's, he is? he's in the waiting room. So. Okay, cool. So yeah. let's let's get him in here. Let us all wait right. no Let's further. Just... Okay, let's get him in here. Nick's the host, man. Nick says I got the power, mother. Ooh. I got the power. <laughs> Yes. Deal. Where's your video at, Coach? Hello. Hello. Where, where's your video at, Coach? I want to see you. I'm trying to trying to get a reset. Okay. There he is, baby. Oh, snap. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? You know what? Everybody, welcome to welcome in Schwan Humes. We just uh, I introduced you already. Uh, he is an MMA analyst and expert. Uh, especially when you start talking striking and he's also a basketball expert. And I told Nick that I had a secret, a secret plan uh, um, that I was going to try to draw you into the LeBron Jordan debate later on, but that'll come later. Okay. Schwan, you ready for that? Yeah. yeah, no problem. Okay. He's ready, man. He's <laughs> like, yeah, come on, man. Bring it, man. I'm playing. It's Pat Bev against playoff Rondo, man. What you got? Uh, I don't want to be Pat Bev, man. He played terrible. Check ball, <laughs> man. Check ball. <laughs> All right, so all right, so we'll get into that later. But he's from MMA Ratings, and uh, we're so happy to have the Black Jordan Breen or any hue of Jordan Breen that we can get. We'll take. And we're yeah, happy. the real Jordan Breen doesn't like the fact that I refer to myself as the Black Jordan Breen. I he <laughs> dude he's I, he used to say he used to say all the time he used to tell people to follow you and check you out. Did you you know that right? No, I didn't know. Yes, I, uh, yes. Last I heard, people didn't like the. He, they said he didn't like the name, and I thought we got along no. pretty well. But I, no. I didn't know that. No, I can tell you on more on several occasions where I heard him tell people to follow you, uh, and to check out your tweets and uh, to uh, give out your your Twitter. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure he was flattered uh, as anybody would be. So. Well, um, I was misinformed then, but I, I always liked him. He's a real smart guy. Real, um, real he's, smart he's guy. a genius, man, and so are you. Uh, because you could talk, well, you know, both of you guys like basketball and MMA. So, uh, I love that. So, um, anyway, so let's, let's get to, man, we had such a historic card this weekend. It seems like, uh, you know, if only because of the main event, but then some other great fights, but I, I and Nick, I mean, I, I wanted to basically start off by asking Schwan and then going around in a circle with, give me the Basically, a summary of your thoughts about what you saw 
and about what it portends for the future and perhaps what it should portend for the future relative to what other fighters should take away from what they saw of Khabib defeating Justin Gaethje. What is it? 134, I believe, in the second round with a technical submission. Woody, what is your thoughts on on what happened, Sean? Well, I think a lot of people... I wasn't really shocked by what happened. A lot of people were saying they didn't think Khabib would strike with them. And my whole logic, but my whole logic is if you watch Khabib slowly over the years, he's gotten better. Like before he would just get hit, try to get the takedown. Now, if you watch the fights, he's defending, he's blocking, he's rolling. He throws awkward strikes, but they're still effective. They're still well placed. They still have power. And for him to beat Justin Gaethje, what he was going to have to do is he's going to have to set up the, the takedowns with the striking. If he just would have just lunged in with clinches and shots, he wouldn't have got Gaethje. Gaethje would have chewed him up from distance and then knocked him out. So he had to be willing to engage him. In fact, before the fight started, I said, I expect Khabib to get some work done. I expect Khabib to touch the body. I expect Khabib to use the takedowns to strike to set up the takedown transition. And that's what happened. He probably didn't want to strike as long as he did with Justin Gaethje, but Justin didn't expect him to want to strike with him at all. Justin was probably caught off guard by the fact that not only is he pressuring me, when I'm kidding him, he's hitting me back. He's not just going for a clinch or going for a leg. He's actually engaging me where I'm supposed to have the, the main advantage. So um, what I saw from the fight didn't didn't really uh, shock me on the part of Khabib. Um, just for just as a side note, the mistake Gaethje made was he was trying to engage. He, he couldn't make a decision. He was crouched down in the stand to defend takedowns, to throw with power. But then he was also trying to move laterally and circle and use angles. You have to choose one or the other. If you're going to be in that low stance, then you got to fire off with power and stand your ground. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try and disengage and deny, which is, you know, basketball, you deny the the ball handle of the ball. You deny Khabib the range he wants for takedown. You deny him certain positions for striking and certain positions for takedown. You have to make a choice. Justin tried to tiptoe on that line, and that's ultimately what held him down because he wasn't he wasn't standing his ground and firing. He kept backing off, and then he couldn't back off the way he wanted to or cut the angles and use the footwork as much because he's halfway crunched down in the stand so he could throw with maximum power. So he basically set Khabib up for success. But the biggest lesson I would say you learn from Khabib is as a fighter, develop an identity, develop your strengths, your identity, work to your strengths, but then make sure you have other aspects of your skill set that allow you to get back to your strengths. When people add skills, most fighters, they'll be like, well, I'm, I'm a grappler. I'm going to add the strike. And they all, wanna, all of a sudden want to be strikers. A grappler starts learning some takedowns. All of a sudden they want to be a, a striker, wants to be a takedown. Now they want to take people down all the time. That's not the point of it. You develop other skills. It's like, let's say, I'll put it like this. You have a, in basketball, you have a plan A. The plan A is the strongest plan you have. The only reason you have a plan B or C is when they've made it too hard for you to apply plan A. But B and C is built just so you can get back down to plan A. If I want to be an ISO scorer in plan A and they keep stopping it, make me, make me work too hard, I use ball movement to allow me to get back to being an ISO scorer because now the ball is moving around. You have to spread the floor. Now I'm back to one-on-one. I can beat you. That doesn't work. I have another ball handler, another person who can create. That takes pressure off me. So now I can get back to plan A. Khabib develops his skill set, but he's always 100% committed to wrestling and grappling. Like he told DC, you'll try one or two times to get someone down and you'll quit. I'll try 100 times. Now, before he just, that's all he did was try. Now he kind of dressed it up with some striking. But he never got away from the fact that he's a superior wrestler, a superior grappler. He engaged when he had to, but just to create enough opportunity 
to get right back to where he wanted to. And too many fighters don't have an identity. They're all over the place. One day they're a technician. Next minute they're a brawler. Next minute they're a volume guy. I understand versatility, but until you define who you are and what you are as a fighter, you can't ever really excel. All the best fighters, all the best athletes, all the best sportsmen know who they are. They know their role. They maximize that strength, and they develop just enough to get the to set it up so they can get back to where where they're strongest at. And a lot well, of fighters don't do that. We're gonna get back to that whole thing because I'm actually gonna bring that up with you in a minute about Khabib and DC. But first, I want to let Nick get in with his thoughts. So, Nick, what what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot. I was just surprised. For me, I was surprised with the pressure that could be put on Gagey. Maybe I kind of fell into the narrative of, you know, the striker versus wrestler. And, and you know, I was always aware of Khabib's uh, developing striking game and how, you know, he does have good hands and he can hurt people with them. I mean, he dropped Conor McGregor with his hands. So, I mean, the threat is there, but just seeing how Gagey has improved in his sort of um, approach to his sort of arsenal being a bit more sort of defensively sound and being not as reckless as he used to be when he first came to UFC, I thought those sort of measures would be maybe a bit more in his favor in the striking department and everything. But yeah, seeing how Khabib just pressured Gagey and Gagey was just always on his back foot and everything. And Schwan really brought out a really good point, which I didn't see at all. Granted, I'm not a striking expert or anything, but yeah, it's just how like his crouching stance to defend the takedown kind of limited him from angling off or whatever and everything like that and limited his movement and everything. Yeah, that was all apparent and everything. But yeah, I was just surprised with the pressure and how Gagey was just kind of always on his back foot, not, not able to kind of get his own sort of arsenal going. And then I think when it hit the mat, I mean, it was just pretty much game over and everything so but i was surprised how quickly the fight ended i thought it was going to be a bit more of a dog fight maybe a bit more back and forth so and i thought gate i was i was on board with gagey you know i was on board with his vibrato that he brought in and not carrying what everyone thought and i, I just i just like that attitude that he brings into his fights and everything so i was on board with him maybe being able to get an upset but yeah i was <laughs> Very rude, not rudely, but very, uh, very wrong on that one. DJ, DJ, I have, yes, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Now, I've, I'm more of a functional grappler. I've just mm -hmm. grappled a lot, so I've kind of mm -hmm. figured things out. You, you have more of a structured knowledge base. But one of the things I thought about, you know, everybody talks about the wrestling versus the sambo, or the wrestling versus the wrestling. Nobody really discussed the actual grappling of Khabib against Justin. And I, I really hadn't seen Justin grapple. I, I didn't think he could grapple, but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want those people well, Twitter. Well, um, something. What, so, what, did you see? what did you see as a grappler? Well, something came out this week that was very instructive to all of us because the uh, to use a reality television axiom, um, Josh Thompson loves to spill tea. He is the one who's very fond of telling people about Khabib dominating Ed Ruth in the training room, and then he'll back off and go, well, Ed Ruth gets some takedowns too. And he's the one who contacted somebody in Colorado that trains at Justin's gym and said and found out and spilled the tea that Justin is basically a white belt on the ground and that um, that he doesn't really uh, put a lot of time into his jiu-jitsu. And so as soon as I heard that, any thought that I had 
of him being able to outscramble Khabib basically went away. Well, first of all, I thought Khabib was going to do pretty much what he did anyway. But any notion I had, a romantic notion of what Nick said, uh, was washed away when Josh Thompson spilled that tea. So so I wasn't surprised. Um, Justin, obviously, they said that uh, what he likes to do is to try to stand up. We know that Khabib likes to take the back. That pretty much happened. Uh, but that he really didn't have the guard game that we thought. Because Eddie Bravo has always said, if Tony gets taken down by Khabib, he's not going to try to get up right away. He's going to try to attain guard and then start trying to cut him up with elbows and things of that nature. And uh, I knew that Justin couldn't couldn't uh, execute that type of game plan if he's not really studying and training jiu-jitsu and wrestling. So this brings me to my larger point. Nothing what I saw was surprising on Saturday night. So let me let that go. Khabib's probably the GOAT, and we can have that discussion in about 20 minutes. But what I want to get to you, uh, Schwan and Nick, is if Khabib is able to say, I cannot wrestle all of my competition, and therefore I am going to, to go to plan A, as you said, I'm going to be pretty decent at plan B, and he's a very functional striker. He proved that, and to the extent that he was outstruck, it really didn't matter because, as you said, uh, Justin was crouching tiger, hidden dragon, and he wasn't able to even execute his game plan. So it didn't matter how much better Justin might have been than Khabib because in reality, Khabib hit him, he hit Khabib, and then Khabib shot, and Justin couldn't stop it. If you are a wrestler and you are not actively wrestling and taking people down and training that, then you're not going to be able to execute that in the fight. In one fight where you go, well, this training camp, I was an All-American, I stopped I stopped Jordan Burroughs a bunch of times. I got something for Khabib, man. Let me tell you, he Jordan Burroughs had a hard time taking me down. Well, you're not going to be able to execute that at one training camp, man. That's not going to happen. And I wonder, and this is where I'm going to ask you guys a question. You have guys like Daniel Cormier, Olympic-level wrestler. Okay, this is a minute level of guys, you know, like, Gregor Gillespie, you know, to a lesser degree, or Josh Koscheck, but, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Randy, uh, like Chael that, you know, were, Chael never made the team, but I think he tried out a couple of times. And, and you King have, Mo. King Mo would be another one, a high level wrestler. Who? King Mo would probably do that. King oh, Mo. King Mo. Yeah. Oh, King, King Mo. Mo yeah. Wrestling. King Mo was, uh, he was one match from getting uh, onto the team. Uh, was another great one. And you saw it against Musasi in Strikeforce. But guys that just refuse to go and impose their will in the wrestling game and 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 what you said that Khabib said to DC, DC is now trying to defend by saying, oh, well, Khabib did that, but, I, you know, I, that was, I, I couldn't do that. You didn't want to do that, dude. You not, and, and, and Nick, you said it the other day. He knocked out Bigfoot Silva in that Strike Force tournament, and that became ball game, man. That's what he wanted to do. If he wanted yeah. to train wrestling for 15 minutes or 25 minutes, he would have. It's not what he wanted to do. I think it goes to the point of uh, Schwann's point of your identity. I think when DC, you know, knocked down Bigfoot Silva in the Strike Force Grand Prix, 
he's like, oh, wow, I could have some success, you know, with my hands. Granted, I'm probably the best, the best wrestler in the heavyweight division, <laughs> you know, in strike force and potentially in the UFC and everything. And, you know, he started to fall in love with his hands and had success with that. So I think he might have had uh, maybe uh, an identity sort of, I don't know, um, confusion or a, or a set of identity, you know, um, problems with what he wanted to do in regards to, you know, his plan A, which I think it's a really good point and really good thing to sort of, um, to the, to discuss and sort of bring to the, to the for, forefront or whatever by Schwan. Schwan, Schwan, this is what, it, this is what the thing, he was never going to beat John Jones with that game plan. His game plan of getting inside on Jones and landing, landing those inside shots, that was never going to work. The one way that might have worked, and if they fought three more times, it'd probably be the same result. The only way that might have worked, if he said, I'm going 100% Khabib, particularly if it was in the second fight, but moreover in the first fight, and I'm going to wrestle for 25 minutes if necessary, and I'm not going to stop wrestling. Well, part of, it's like uh, the sad. The sad thing is, if you know your history, which I know you do, Josh Koscheck, another AKA guy, made the same mistake. He got out wrestled by a black belt in Kyokushin karate. <laughs> like, I mean, we, I'm not making this up. We, we I know that. I we all. Oh, we saw an NCAA man. wrestler get out wrestled by a black belt in karate, who's a white belt in wrestling. I don't care what George has no no qualifications None. in wrestling. He has no certification. He doesn't compete anywhere. He just trained and he out wrestled them. Straight up out wrestled him. And it's because Koshchek got into, I'm going to strike, I'm going to knock him out, all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's like it's like the point you made earlier. And, I, and I've worked with camps before, and I always tell guys this. They'll be like, oh, for this camp, I got this opponent, so now I'm going to work on my boxing, or now I'm going to work on my grappling. I'm like, now's not the time for you to work on your boxing or grappling. In between fights, that if you were off for six months or off for four months, you should have been working on your grappling, your wrestling, whatever your weekend, that's when you work on and develop it. You... you you work on your strengths, of course, but you only work on it to a certain degree. You're supposed to add things that you don't use regularly in the cage so that when you need them, you can ramp it up and perfect them instead of, I haven't used this in three years. I'm just going to focus on eight weeks, and that's going to be enough. That's never going to be enough. Not against a guy who got a huge advantage for you, against you, and that's what I felt happened to Gaethje. Uh, I had Trevor Whitman on the MMA Ratings podcast uh, probably like a, a year and a half ago, and Trevor said, I'm not here to change who Justin is as a fighter. I'm here to make him the best version of it. Justin clearly decided he wanted to be about carnage and wreckage and violence. And all Trevor did was finally sharpen and refine it so that he'd be more of a a beautiful destructor, a beautiful destroyer. He's not going to make him, hey, you have to do this, you have to do that. That's not what Trevor Whitman does. He increases what you're good at. Justin, and I said this before the fight, he hasn't really used his wrestling. So even if his wrestling is what we say it is, he doesn't have the conditioning to scramble out three or four times. After three or four times, he's done. He's not going to be able to outscramble him and stuff him and, and fight him strength for strength. He hasn't been conditioned to do that. All that, I mean, yeah, he has previous and against most guys that will work, but against a guy at Khabib's level, that's not going to work. You can't just bring that back up in six to eight weeks. So I didn't think that he'd be able to out-wrestle him, period. I really felt that if he was going to win the fight, he would have to deny him. Like, I'm just going to use my footwork, stay away from you. Yeah, he might get tired and dragged down later, but we saw what happened when he tried to toe that line or, or, or tiptoe across that line. He got he got finished and finished dynamically. And it's, it's like you said, it's the same thing with DC. Because these guys have such good wrestling accomplishments and they've competed with such high-level wrestlers, 
they don't feel they have to work on it. Why do I have to work on that? I'm better than 85% of the people in the UFC. And that's fine until you get to that other 15% and you start getting tested. DC was better than almost everybody in wrestling, but so he didn't have to work on it. Plus, he was a better athlete than all the heavyweights and better athlete than most light heavyweights. Once he didn't have that athletic advantage and once he had he had resistance in wrestling, he couldn't just easily get the takedown. He right. couldn't just easily hold jumping against the cage. Right. He, started, he started gassing. He's like, he hadn't had to wrestle a hard five rounds in years. Same thing with Tyrone Woodley. He's a he's an All-American. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you've seen Tyrone Woodley wrestle anybody? Because he's gotten away from it. He tried to take the shortcut of striking, which he's not very good at, which DC is not very good at. Khabib understands this is what I am, grappler, wrestler. I'm going to make sure that you can't exploit me on the feet. You can't just run me over and hit me with whatever you want because eventually I'm going to get knocked out. I have to be able to defend myself, at least functionally. It doesn't have to look good. But if you hit me, you're not hitting me the way you want to hit me. It's a strike that you can hit somebody and you hit them the way you want to hit them. Lots of guys, when I spar, people hit me a lot. They don't hit me with the shot they want to hit me. That's why I'm not getting dropped and knocked out. That's what he does. And he doesn't have to make it a good-looking shot. People are so scared of his grappling, they're giving up ground. They're not putting combinations together. They're not sticking a jab. They, they don't want any chance of him getting a hold of them. So they automatically open up striking opportunities for him. Well, and they look, don't want to counter because look. if they miss and he gets his hands on him, it's like a death sentence. So automatically, all he had to do was improve a little bit and take advantage of the openings that his grappling created. But the whole thing was based on his grappling and his wrestling. He never got away from that. He developed other skills, but he never got away from the fact that I am a superior athlete when it comes to grappling and wrestling. I'm not going to get away from that. I'm going to stick to that. I'll, I'll dress it up better. I'll refine it better. I'll set it up better. But I'm not getting away from it. And as soon as Gaethje sat back and they started exchanging, boom, takedown. Second well, round, look, same thing. Boom, takedown. Look at Ortega, Schwan. All he did was he started just reaching down and touching Zombie's legs. He just touched his leg. And that stopped zo- everything Zombie was trying to do. He yep. After he shot a takedown... And then, and zombie stuffed the first one. And then he'd reach, he'd reach for his leg, reach for his leg. And that, I mean, because they're terrified to get taken down by, uh, by Ortega just because his jujitsu is so strong. Yep. So that, that stuff works. And I believe this is now, first of all, I love all these guys. I love DC and what he's accomplished, particularly being from where he's at in Louisiana. There's not he's a great guy, but you still got to call it straight. He's yeah. A great I, guy, but you got to call it what it is. Same thing for T wood. These guys could I'm not saying they could do what Khabib does as well as Khabib does it. I don't know if any – there's probably nobody in the UFC that could do what Khabib does the way he does it. But saying – making an excuse now, DC, that you couldn't do it, I think is bullshit. And you decided not to do it because you became the fighter you wanted to become. Nobody forced you to become that fighter. Nobody forced T-Wood to become that fighter. T-Wood's wrestling is so far gone that lesser re- – and, you know, a lot of people – hey, guys, remember when Rick Story came out and fought Donald Cerrone and said, oh, shit, I just got taken down by Donald Cerrone, the easiest guy to take down in the formal, in the formerly known WEC. Wasn't expecting yeah. it. You know, so you, you, know, you can use that skill – and DC, that was the only shot he had to beat John Jones. Am I wrong about that? Is there any other way he's going to beat John Jones? I, I don't think so. Not with Jones's chin. It hasn't been cracked yet. Not with Jones's cardio. Jones hasn't really ever just faded the way DC's faded. Like when he, he beat Gustafson, he faded. Against Jones, he faded. But um, I think what they think is it takes too much energy. And I, and I can understand that. I'm not saying he had to, I don't know that he had to go all wrestling, but in certain spots, 
just to create confusion, if you go all wrestling first round, he comes the second round, he's expecting wrestling, then open up with the hand. Now you now you got him mixed up. Is it wrestling or the hand? Then you combine them. But he just made it clear that he's not, if it's not an easy takedown, he has no interest in it. And once he faced resistance, which is what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you're, he didn't have anything for it. That, that's, what, that's the main thing. It's not the skill set. It's the actual, like I tell fighters, if you've got a decent skill set, don't just concede the takedown. Make him earn it. Because even if he's a better wrestler, if he takes you down two times, you get right back up, now all of a sudden he don't want to wrestle. Or if he takes two, he get deep on you twice and he can't get it, now he don't want to try again. That's all you got to do. Just wait. Yeah. If he's a power puncher and you crack him once, now you don't want to exchange anymore. Like Conor McGregor against Nick Diaz. Now he's shooting for rec- takedown. All you have to do is give enough resistance to make them have to wonder, like, oh, my, this is my safety zone. Wrestling's my safety zone. It's not safe anymore. Striking's my safety zone. Not safe anymore. I took him down to submit him. He almost submitted me. Well, now I don't want to go to the ground anymore, but I'm terrible on the feet. You take away their safety zone. John Jones took away DC's safety zone. DC's well, like, he, took, he took him down more than DC took him yeah. down. He DC got more bigger, takedowns. I'll bully him. I'll rough him up. When If I get in trouble, I'll take him down. He tried to take him down. It's like, oh, I, oh, crap, I can't. Oh, well, now I'm in a tough spot. It's too late now. It, it's too late now. You, you've already – and once John Jones realized he can't take him down the way he wants to, okay, well, now I'm in cruise control. I don't even care now. It, it, Sean, it should have think... – I'm sorry. Go ahead, yeah, Nick. Sorry. Sean, do you think for the first uh, Jones and uh, Cormier fight, do you think the – the emotion going into that fight might have played into the fact that DC just wanted to just get his hands on him and just lay some some fists to his face. I, I, I can I can answer that. He became the fighter he wanted to become. Go ahead, Schwan. Well, it, it might have, but I always say this, and this is part of coaching too. Whether whatever sport you're in, it's not just X's and O's. It's actually reining in your athlete. You know, when like Bill Belichick says, "Do your job." That he's reminding guys, hey, don't get fancy. Just do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. If that was the case, AKA, and I don't, no offense against the guys they produce world champions. I'm not a biggest fan of them and their development system. They should have reined DC in. Regardless of what he wants to do and what he likes to do as a coach, it's your job to see down the line and be like, look, I'm in the lightweight division. Yeah, I can out wrestle these guys. This guy over here might be trouble. That's your job. You're supposed to have an eye on other people. You're supposed to make sure that I don't have any holes in my game unless I'm outright just not listening to you. And if you're not listening, they're not listening to you. Okay, well you can't do anything about it. But that's your job to rein him in and to make sure he fights the smartest fight possible. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. You know, they they didn't do it. He was unprepared. And I don't know if it, John Jones was better than he thought he was. Whatever. I put a lot of that on the camp. The camp is supposed to put you with people who are going to push you to where you're expecting the most resistance. You're expecting not to dominate. You're supposed to be facing guys who can put you in bad positions and keep you there, so that when it happens in a fight, mentally you don't fatigue and you don't break. But a lot of guys don't do that. And I don't know what they did AK. I can't comment on that. But it just seems like he was very unprepared for what Jones had. Jones had an answer for everything he had to do. Jones knew his go-tos. He knew who knew his safety zone. It's like he had never seen John Jones fight. Let me reframe let me reframe the question. What if Jones, they come out for round one and he sees that in all the exchange and I'm not saying that DC shouldn't be prepared to exchange. If you're in an MMA fight, just like Khabib showed, you have to be able to exchange strikes. I mean, that's that's a non-starter. You can't just be a wrestler. So I'm not I'm not poo-pooing any of the striking acumen that 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 DC developed. I'm saying if Jones knew that he is constantly trying to get a takedown, that means that John has to constantly defend a takedown. And anybody that's watched John Jones 
since 2009 or something, whenever I started watching this guy, you know if he's not defending is the worst thing you could do because now he's thinking creatively and artistically about what he wants to do to you in that flow state that he used to get into a lot more than he does now. But so if he's not on defense, he's on offense. And when you're in trouble is when he's on offense. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I will poo poo on DC striking. It's not very good. It's very, it's very functional. He's like Khabib. It's functional. That's fine. DC success is he hits hard and he's a lot faster. And heavy, especially heavyweight, he's so much faster. He hits so much harder. Plus, guys are afraid of his wrestling. So that that's what makes his striking effective. He he doesn't really understand the striking game the way I would think he does, and he doesn't execute it. His wrestling, his attributes, his chin, that's what makes him successful. Against somebody like Jones, who was younger, had a better chin, who was fighting at the correct weight class, DC was coming down from heavyweight. He was burning a lot of energy. He was putting his body through a lot. And um, like, like, like you said, he just... He just made it a lot easier for him. He was used to his wrestling, and he got by on the reputation. It's a grind. I'm a grinder. Mm-hmm. Nobody yes. can really yeah. that. I forgot about that. Yeah. John Jones. John Jones is like, okay, you're a grinder. We're going to see. I'm and a better they, grinder. <laughs> yeah. and, and, he, and it's like, I don't think DC was training to grind. He was training to grind out the 85%, 95%, whatever percent it is of guys who wouldn't even think to wrestle with them. John Jones dared to challenge him, and when he challenged him, he found DC wanted. It's like almost like the Lomachenko Lopez fight. Lomachenko thought Lopez couldn't box, couldn't box at all. He's just going to come in and get knocked out. So when Lopez starts boxing, Lomachenko's like, oh, crap. <laughs> I got this big, strong guy. He's not giving me the openings. He's not getting tired. He's setting everything up. He's, I'm trying my little tricks. He's, he's stepping with me. He's angling out with me. It's the same thing with Jones and DC. DC, I'll grab this. He's got an answer for it. I do this. He's got an answer for it. The difference between all that and Khabib, Khabib kept developing. Justin didn't have an answer. And he wouldn't. He did when whatever answers he had, Khabib wouldn't let him off the hook. DC let guys off the hook because I guess he was afraid of getting tired. Or maybe he just wasn't as sharp as he used to be. But it's all about having that identity, sticking with that identity, and just having enough skills to force the fight back where you want it to be. You have to be a good enough striker. You have to be good enough at transition to force the fight where you want to be. Khabib has a lot of has some holes in his game, but he's at least adjusted them enough to where he can be more effective. His entries have gotten a little bit better, still not great. His striking's got a little bit better, still not great. His defensive striking is where he's really improved, and he just uses it to get right back to his strength. I'm going to strike with you to get my hands on you. I've got to defend your strike so you don't knock me out so I can get my hands on you. My whole thing is to get my hands on you. Once I get my hands on you, the fight's over. He never got away from who he was at his core. And that's it. He when he knocked out Conor McGregor. Did he tell Conor stand up and let's strike? No. He tried to submit him. That's what you're supposed to do. You stick to your strength and you build enough skill sets that in case you get stuck, you can survive and, hope, and possibly win, but definitely you can force the fight back to where you want it. That's the difference between Khabib and everybody else, especially between Daniel Cormier. That's the difference. A lot of wrestlers, I, I like striking. I like my hand, but I don't want to commit myself to the, the one advantage I have. And with so many wrestlers in MMA now, you can't afford to just let your wrestling sit on the shelf. There's too many NCAA champions and world champions wrestling now for you to just say, oh, I'm not going to do that right now. That's, you can't do that. Is it too many? At one point, you could. You can't do that anymore. And speaking of, um, <coughs> speaking, excuse me, guys, speaking of John Jones, uh, Nick, take it away on Shade. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, everyone's up in arms on Twitter about John Jones as a sort of 
I wouldn't say tirade, but just stating his claim that he's the GOAT, which, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, uh, on, you know, Khabib being number one pound for pound after he retired, telling the UFC to put him on that list. And then John Jones gets all up in arms about it and starts to sort of state his case in, you know, not the best fashion, I guess. So it kind of peeved off a lot of people on, on the internet and everything like that. So. But I don't know. It's just like, hey, just just let Khabib have his day, you know? Just let him celebrate for a bit. And then after a week, he could start to complain about things, I guess. Hey, Shwan, <laughs> I'm going to put Nick in the unenviable position of defending John Jones. And that's a position nobody wants to be, except for John, you know, except, for, uh, except for John's when, uh, family, like Chandler. When shall, when shall I get done to this? Because I can, I can actually make this connection between – John and Khabib, and I could do a LeBron Jordan. Oh, oh no! Oh, we gotta yeah. save that for the end. That's dessert, man. <laughs> Don't rush dessert, man. You haven't even had the main course. You're not done with your main course, man. I still see food on your plate. Then we're gonna get to that. All right, so <laughs> I'm gonna play the role of Nick Wright. When I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I make when I when I make this connection, y'all are gonna be like, dude, he really connected. It, it's really the same thing. He really okay. He really did it. Okay, this is what I have to say to Nick. Do you want to poop on Khabib? Do you want to poop on George? Do you want to poop on Daniel? Do you want to poop on Demetrius? Do you want to poop on Amanda? Do you want to poop on Val? So answer if there's yes to any of those that you want to poop on. If I'm John? No, you. You, Nick I don't want to poop on any of those people. You don't? Why? No. Because they're great. <laughs> okay. So what and differentiates them from John Jones? I think John Jones has been in that category longer than a lot of those people. Maybe not George, but uh, like Amanda, you know, after she knocked out Cyborg and, you know, she became the double champ and she started mm -hmm. just obliterating everybody. She was in that conversation and, and Valentina was in that conversation, you know, a little, you know, maybe a little before, maybe a little after Amanda started getting her recognition. So... I think it's just he feels. No, that, but you're, you're you missing. Know, you're missing what's different about them. I don't know what's different. He tested positive multiple oh, I don't times. Care. Who cares? I do. I do. <laughs> I don't care. Because because Silva, if you say Silva's out no, of that list no, 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 hold on. If you say that you don't care, then you say I shit on George St. Pierre, on Demetrius, on DC, on Amanda, on Val. On Khabib, any of these people, because not, none of them have seen fit to take drugs to try to improve their for, performance in a face-punching, arm-breaking, knee-tearing sport. And then if I go with Chris Cyborg, or I go with somebody like John Jones, or Anderson Silver, regardless of the fact that he was trying to come back from, uh, from injury, supposedly... They're out of the conversation. That was willful. No pun intended, Will Woo, our co-host. <laughs> that was willful on their part. And well, those other people said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to cheat. So if you say well, you don't care, you say shit on you guys. Well, there, there's a slight difference. Even though he cheated like uh, with the drugs and everything, almost everybody we named who's been a cheater, as far as performance enhancements goes, they're not undefeated. And, I, and I'm not I'm not saying that makes it different, but 
John Jones somehow managed to still be the best in his division, you know, all the other guys had advantages. They had PED advantages. They lost. Still okay. lost. Who else? And I, mean, I would, I would, I would, I would also, happens. yeah, I would also say this. Like, okay, it's hard to prove if this guy's been taking these drugs throughout his whole career. Maybe he started taking it in the, I don't know, the Belfort fighter. Maybe he took the PEDs when, you know, his DC, the DC fight started to happen. You know, maybe it was a thing like, mm -hmm. I can't lose this guy. I will do whatever right. it takes to not lose to this guy. Yeah. So, I mean. Sorry, man. That was his choice. But and, like, and, and Khabib said, you know what? I don't have to take anything and I'll kick your ass. And so did Valentina. So did Valentina. She said, I'll take on girls in upper weight class. I'm just going to come out here with my skills. Well, my and point I'm is, take you out. my point is, depending on when he took it or it, during his career. I mean, are you gonna negate? Okay. Are, are his wins? Uh, when, are his wins you, when he you, was natural? Once you do something like that, you pretty much put your whole thing. You, you can't trust your word. Well, I never took it before. Then nobody's gonna believe you. Okay. Just, I mean, that's just what happened. Okay, so we have the hiding under the cage one. That this now. First of all, I had that confirmed from Coach Luttrell years ago. Okay, five years ago that that happened. Okay, but, 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 let me ask y'all a question before we get too deep in this. Let me ask y'all a question. I know John Jones catches a lot of flack for the PEDs, right? How does none of this blow back on Greg Jackson? Like well, this is his biggest star. Oh, How AJ does none hates of this fall back Jackson. On, on Jackson. I'm just. <laughs> I, I, I know not... he does. I know he does. But how does the, the public and the media? How does none of this fall back on them? Any because other why? team? Any other team with their major star failing? Everybody will look at all of them. Go ahead. Camp. <laughs> nobody loves him. You know why? Nobody asked Greg Jackson, how do you let this guy do this? Why is he cheating? Nobody even asked him the question. You know why? Just because he's not in the forefront. Like all the, the MMA media, the fans, everyone, they're so fixated on who's right in the spotlight. You know, no one ever talks about Greg Jackson or, or Trevor See? Whitman or like some people do like the hardcores and everything do, but like uh, the most fans, they, they, they don't really care about or or concern themselves about what's going on behind the scenes like yeah they can't fit and then that's a great question why are why why isn't there an outrage against you know the jackson week okay. camp for allowing john jones okay. to take so, all this stuff okay so first of all uh greg <sighs> jackson has a very very carefully cultivated uh image second of all he's no longer at the forefront of the sport i don't at the forefront of so in other words he is not present every day in camp Winklejohn is present every day in camp, and he has a QAnon flag on top of his gym that he says he doesn't know how it got there. Um, so he's a nutcase. I, I'm sorry that I interviewed Greg Jackson. I'm sorry that I interviewed Mike Winklejohn because of what they've done to my friend Chris Luttrell, the way that they crapped on going all the way back to Rashad Evans and how they crapped on Rashad in favor of John. And you can go back and listen to Larry Pepe's interview where Larry asked him some very, very direct questions. And then um, he gets on Chris Luttrell and he gets – Chris Luttrell was, is a retired law enforcement officer. And he says to him, point blank, while Chris is still working at Jackson's, did Greg Jackson say to you that John Jones is the future of the sport and therefore we must have him on the team or something analogous to that? And Chris says, yes, he did. And Larry went to break. Bottom line. So Greg's a liar. Mike Winklejohn would lie to for any purpose that had to do with cultivating the image 
of his gym, which is now Winks. And now there's like a, the old Jacksons is now opened up with like John Dotson and Nick Urso and some other guys. And the new uh, Jack's Wink is that huge place that probably cost them, you know, I don't know what they, if they own that building or not, but it's gigantic. Anyway, I don't want to waste airtime talking about the Jackson gym. What I can tell you is that the year that he tested positive, so when we had the issue with the pulse, because Larry Pepe is the definitive, if you want to get into John Jones and stuff like that, the definitive John Jones, when he tested positive and they had to move the, the, um, the card from Vegas because NSAC said no, we're going to have to have a hearing before he's going to be licensed to fight here. They moved it to California, right? Larry found all the tests, and there was like four failed tests and one or two clean tests over the course of that year. So then they came up with the pulsing argument that nobody can verify that that even exists. And even Luke won't even, even Luke Thomas won't even, will admit that that was all made up bullshit. Then when he goes to California... Andy Foster allowed him, instead of uh, making him go to the WADA lab at UCLA, he had him test at another lab. I don't remember the name of the lab, but I posted all this stuff is on my Twitter. And and because I, I tagged Luke Thomas because he was arguing in favor of Jones at the time. That lab was run by a guy who was John's paid expert witness on a previous suspension that he had with NSAC. So John is a multiple time cheater and liar because he's telling us that he took dick pills over at the, at the gym, uh, those estrogen blocker things. And he's saying that, uh, he doesn't want to say who he got it from. Somebody gave it to him. Meanwhile, he's four weeks out from a championship fight. So he's not clean and that's why he can't be in that category. That was his decision. And Khabib's decision. And George's decision. And Demetrius' decision. And Valentina's decision. And Amanda's decision was not to take drugs to try to become the best fighter ever like Cyborg did and John did. And John could have done it, as as Schwann alluded to, he could have done it all without the drugs. He could have beaten anybody. And I'm yep. done. Sorry. Go ahead, guys. The one thing I said, there's, there's other drug treat, but they've lost. Chael's lost multiple times. Cyborg was knocked out cold. John Jones, the, the drugs don't answer all the questions. They don't fix everything. Regardless of what we say about the drugs, and I'm not discounting them, you still got to – they don't fix your chin. They don't make you more durable. And to be honest, they don't make you as cerebral and as smart as he is. You know, that, that those are two of the factors. It's not his explosive power punching. In recent years, it hasn't even been his explosive takedown. It's been durability. Now, the cardio, the pace, that might help. But it's been IQ and it's been durability. He's just outsmarted guys, figured them out, and broken them down. He hasn't out-athleted anybody in years. So I'm not saying you can't pay attention to that, but I could see an argument where you say that there's been other drug teams who have not been as dominant as him. And he's somehow found a way to maintain his dominance even after the fact and most guys have it most cheaters have it but the the problem yeah. the problem and i'm sorry nick i don't mean to jump in here oh, go for it go the, for it the problem happens is when you don't make an account you're giving the finger so what do i say to gina uh gina carano's father who stood there and saw someone who who you can see visibly 
changed herself from a female-looking athlete into a male-looking athlete, beat the shit out of her daughter, smile when she's getting hit, move her right off a mount, and just destroy her, and she did it with the use of performance-enhancing drugs. And I'm telling you, ah, that doesn't matter. She would have done that to you anyway. That's true. I mean, we you can't argue the point. You, you can't argue the point, but that all falls partly on John, falls partly on the UFC for not banning him or just kicking him out all right, falls partly on anybody who's got money in their pocket who's allowed him to continue. Because as long as you allow him to continue to the average fan, they're going to say, well, it must be true because they keep letting him fight. And, 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 and Cyborg has gotten to the point now where she can be overcome by a super powerful, super athletic, amazing fighter like Amanda. If this fight was six or seven years ago, she would have got, Amanda would have got knocked out. It's only because yeah. Cyborg has now at the end of her run that. Yeah, well, now, now Cyborg has to be more technical. She can't just brawl like she used to. But, but once again, that, that also goes back to John Jones, who. He's used it. He, he He's not in his prime anymore. He's been fighting much more athletic guys. Mm-hmm. In some way, somehow, he's still found ways to win. Well, I, I think it makes it okay, but he, I he, wouldn't he, say he, much more athletic. I don't think there's still another guy that's that Dominic level of Reyes. athlete in the entire division. I would say Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes. Oh, come on. Yeah, Dominic guys. Reyes. And come on, he's guys. a much better athlete. And he couldn't, he couldn't do it. He, he, he couldn't finish the job. Whether you think he wins or not, he couldn't finish the job. I'm not saying it I agree. Limited, I agree. But he, John, he, didn't he John didn't need this. John didn't need this. But – but yeah. Coach Luttrell told me something about John many years ago, and, and Nick has heard me say this on the phone many times. And he said this about when DC asked him. So it wasn't many years ago. It was when DC asked him if he would do a grappling match. And John said no. He goes, I don't want to give you that false sense of security. And, and Coach Luttrell said, listen, listen closely. John will never enter a competition He's not 100% sure that he's going to win. Exhibit A was what I just told you. Exhibit B was that he wouldn't take Chael on whatever it was, 10 days notice, when Chael had 0.01 chance to win. Nick, go ahead. I mean, yeah, all good points. But, yeah, I think with uh, Sean's point about the steroids, I think, yeah, I mean, when you hear the word PEDs and steroids, and I think fans in general, myself included, I'm not that familiar with how they work and everything and all the intricacies on that. But yeah, when you hear steroids, people think, oh, well, it gives you, you know, it does give you an advantage. But I think a lot of people overstate what kind of advantages it gives you and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to, like what Sean said, it's not going to give you better, you know, in fight intelligence that what John has. Or game planning. It's true. Or, or, or he or he didn't need it. What you're saying is that he didn't need it, and we know we already know that he he arbitrarily decided that he was going to cheat. He didn't know, need it. He could have beaten DC anyway. You know, uh, the label just demonizes and kind of degrades sort yes. of these guys, which in fair yes. it does. It because does, you, but... otherwise, we shit on the other people and say it doesn't matter. How do how do we take another point of this? Now, let's say Dominic Reyes upset, or let's say Cormier beat John Jones. If we're saying John Jones win over him because it could be PED, it doesn't matter. And if Daniel Cormier beats him, we couldn't, we'd, we'd laud him for that win. We'd say, oh, you beat the pound for pound, you're great too. We can't have it both ways. Either it's negative and he doesn't matter, or it does. You can't say, oh, you, you got beat, like with Cyborg. Well, she's a drug cheat, all her wins don't count. 
Well, then she gets knocked out. Yeah, Amanda's the best. Whoa, 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 whoa. If Cyborg's a drug cheat and her wins don't count, then Amanda Nunes' wins means nothing over her. Schwan, but what nobody I'm, wants to say it that way. Schwan, what I'm saying, my friend, is I don't know how great she would have been. The mystery is when you take a female and you inject androgenic drugs that make them more masculine, that their chin, their neck, their core, their shoulders develop on a masculine level to the extent that Amanda, even as developed as she is in Holly Holm, don't have that. I don't know what Chris would have been like if she's like that photo that you've seen of her before she took yeah. the drugs. Would she still have been great? Probably, but we'll never know. So I can't call her the goat. I can't yeah, you know, because I, I, other I, girls are now fighting someone who's less girl. That's I, I not fair. I, I would agree with that. And I'm not, I'm on your side on this. I'm just making the argument. If somebody says they're not that good because they cheated. No, I'm not saying when, that. When, John's no, no, that, incredible. That's, that, He's incredible. That's what, every, that's, that's what everybody would say. They're like, no. to be better than him because he did this, blah, blah, Okay, well then, if John Jones ever loses or gets pushed, why do you want me to give you a standing ovation? You just told me he's a cheater. It doesn't matter. He's not. That's what they say. They take. They try to. Yeah. That's what Nick's trying to say. They try to take away all his accomplishments and all his skills no. and his gifts by the drug test. That's. But you're not saying that. But that's what all the fighters say. No. That's no, what the, the casual fans are saying. His, that's what his, the casual fans are saying, though. It's Nick, just that they're. Nick, is that what I'm? Am I getting you correctly? Yes. Yeah, but and if, the, I think it's just like the better the understanding of it. It's like yeah, there's steroids and oh well, then they're just invincible. But I mean, yeah, it gives you advantages, but you know, there's other other things that it won't give you advantages as well. And I think you have to objectively look at how these guys are winning and everything like that. Like with John Jones, yeah, I mean, he doesn't need it. I mean, he's using skills that really steroids. I don't think really is needed for him to win, especially now. You know, he's he's out you know smarting these guys to 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 beat them and everything but it's just overall this sort of topic it's safe to say that you know if an all-time great is pop for steroids and they keep on winning you know and the ufc allows it to happen and people so portion of people celebrate them winning you could safely say regardless if you agree with this or not that Sometimes if a fan wants to take them out of the, the greatest of all time category based on their, you know, um, cheating ways and about their sort of uh, failed drug tests. And it, it, it's fair to it's fair. It's fair to say that it's fair to make that claim that, like, hey, you know what? John cheated a bunch of times and the UFC allowed it and he doesn't care. So, you know what? In my eye, you know, in whatever, in my eyes, John Jones is not the greatest because of those things. Now, I don't necessarily agree with it, but. You know, it, it's it's a claim that I think a fan can sort of be have a right to have. I think, in regards to that, I have a question for your honor, Judge Nicholas Cazono, the next great Supreme Court justice. Um, <laughs> Nick, yes, adjudicate. How do we adjudicate greatest of all time? What penalty? Okay, let me rephrase this. What penalty do you assign? to one of these one of these goats that has tested positive how do you adjudicate that in their in their bid to be called the the greatest of all time i mean i'd say for john jones's case sure if he say say he say he doesn't take any more steroids and then he you know does all the things that 
you know, fans want him to do in order to become, you know, the go. Like, say he fights Israel Adesanya, destroys him, goes up to heavyweight, you know, beats, you know, uh, Nganu, then goes and takes, you know, Stipe's um, belt, and then beats, yeah, then it, then beats a couple other guys, and then goes back down to light heavyweight, and then takes out Jan or whoever's champion at that time, and, and then beats the brakes off him, and becomes, you know, gets his belt back at 205, and maybe he beats race again if race is still up there if he clears out all those guys without sort of failing a drug test and, and everything you know I, I i think you know it's safe to say that you could maybe sort of you know uh absolve you know his past uh failed test and and everything and consider him the greatest of all time I don't think he yeah, has but even that, that but much. Then again, like if you get, I want to speak to Judge Hume, please, Judge Humes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Judge, <laughs> Judge Schwan Humes, uh, another person that we're putting on the bench of the United States Supreme Court. Um, on the women's side, how do you adjudicate greatest of all time there? Um, Cyborg, Amanda, Valentina, etc. Uh, if if you're gonna go with cyborg, it's just it's like the John Jones thing. Really, it's the length of the dominant. Amanda Amanda Nunes has been dominant the last what two, three years, four years. Mm-hmm. Cyborg cyborg's essentially been a dominant for ten. Whether she's fighting undersized people, whatever you want to call it, soccer moms. The fact of the matter is, she beat them because a lot of the people she beat are the same <laughs> people Amanda Nunes beat. It's like when uh, remember when Amanda Nunes was making fun of Ronda Rousey's opponent. She was like, Ronda beat up a bunch of girls who can't fight. And then you go through Amanda Nunes' record, and she lost to three of them. And you're like, you're criticizing people who beat you. <laughs> so basically, that, yeah, that, that, length, that length of success is what separates Chris, because her, her level of opposition isn't great, plus she cheated. What she's going to go by is the length of success she had before, and even after being busted, she had success after. So it's like she hasn't been busted since. So she, she had four, five, six, seven years of success before. She got busted. And then had another four, five, six, seven years. Then she gets knocked out, and then she now she's won like three fights in a row since then. Yeah, so but against second hiccup, rate, second rate it, girls. That that's the best. I mean, most of Amanda Nunes's wins are over second rate girls. Recently, it's not, but yeah. the majority of her wins are over second rate girls. All the all the elite fighters in women's division, most of their wins are over second rate girls. Where they separate is have they beaten someone elite. That's that's basically it. Holly Holm is still considered one of the best of all time because she beat an elite fighter. Most of the fighters she beat are second rate. Aldana, yeah. Pennington, you know, Amanda Nunes, a bunch yeah. of second rate. Cyborg, a bunch of second rate. Valentina, a bunch of second rate. It's just some of them have wins over elite girls, and some of them don't. And that's the only thing that separates that's Amanda, Cyborg, Holly have wins over elite girls. I guess Ronda because she beat Ronda and Misha too because they beat Ronda beat uh, Misha and Misha beat Holly. But everybody else hasn't beaten an elite girl. Even Valentina hasn't beaten an elite girl. So you're, well, you're, she, well, beat well, she, she beat Holly. She beat Holly. So so, she's 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 yeah. in that loose carrier, but and in she, the women's division it's still so thin. Ninety yeah. percent of your wins are against second tier fighters. Yeah, it, the unfair part of this that's going to sound like I'm a sexist or misogynist, but I'm really not because I I have respect for any person of any gender in any weight class that steps in this cage and fights at really any level, really. And if they're in the UFC, then you can add check. Another check mark, or the Bellator, uh, another check mark onto that. The yeah. unfortunate part is that John Jones getting off the juice 
doesn't necessarily retain what he got. In fact, now you have problems with testosterone and all that because your body stops producing it. And that's why he was using estrogen blockers and things like that that he was caught for in one of the dick pill cases. But with a female, the problem that I have for them that I that's different than the men is because it makes them more masculine and that doesn't go away. There's a couple other fighters that I'm not going to mention here, but Nick knows who they are. One of them may have lost to Valentina not that long ago. Um, Okay. Uh, At flyweight. And so that because Chris stopped taking it, didn't make her, she didn't go back to looking like the girl that you saw in Brazil. She still has those hands, those feet. She doesn't have it at the level as if she was still using but it doesn't go away. Your waist doesn't all of a sudden go back to a 26. Okay. Yeah. So you're not a 10 anymore. You might be an eight. Yes. Yes. And so that, that is why I, unfortunately it weighs heavier on someone like her than somebody like Chael. You guys saw when Chael got off the juice and you saw him get owned by some guys. Okay. You saw Vitor when he got off the juice. Yes. Vitor when he got off the juice. Exactly. That's why Vitor isn't even in the conversation. But John Jones is an amazing fight. The only way that I can adjudicate between the two is to say it's just and this is this is Judge DJ. We saw Judge Humes, we saw Judge Cazono, now it's Judge San Marco. For me, John Jones is in the conversation for the greatest of all time. He is one of unequi- in my mind, he is without a doubt one of the greatest of all time. The reason, only reason I don't put him above George or above somebody like Khabib or I won't put Anderson up there is because they cheated. Am I saying they're not? No, I'm not an idiot and I'm not stupid. He is one of the greatest of all time, without a doubt. As is Cyborg, even with the extra advantage she had over the competition by virtue of becoming more masculine to win. That was part of her strategy, as was Shogun who is never the same, and Vanderlei, and and uh, her husband, Evangelista, etc. Okay? So all those guys did it, right? That was part, in their camp, in uh, Shoot to Box. But John is one of the greatest of all time. I won't say he's the greatest, only because we don't know how much of it he got because he decided to cheat. And if I don't put that little ast- that dreaded asterisk there then I'm not being fair to the the guys and gals like Henry and the rest of them that didn't take anything and never tested positive. And DC, even with his chubby body, didn't ever try to cheat. That's true. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move. Okay. All of you MMA heads can check out because where are we going, Nick? (laughs) Go shoot some hoops. Grab your popcorn, man. We're going (laughs) to – we're going to talk about the NBA. First of all, uh, oh, we're very lucky to have a basketball coach on with. And, you know, there's lightweight stuff to talk about. There's one thing. Okay, I'm going to say one more thing and then just get your reaction to it about MMA. And obviously, there's going to be a lightweight tournament. I don't know what's fair or unfair. To me, it seems like the way it's sitting right now, as much as I love Gaethje's game more than almost anybody out there other than Tony. I think the fair thing to do right now is go Connor versus Poirier, and then you can set up a tournament with 
Tony and and uh, Michael Chandler or Tony versus uh, the other fella from uh, New Zealand. And then who oh, else we got? Hooker. Hooker. Yeah, Oliveira, too. Oliveira. Who else? Okay. Um, so set up set up the tournament for me real quick. Let's make this quick. So, Nick, set up, and then we'll go to Schwan, please. I mean, yeah, uh, sure. Connor and Dustin for the vacant title. And then, you know, the, the contender after that could be, you know, Tony versus Chandler or Gagey versus Chandler. And then you could put Tony versus Oliveira. And then, you know, Hooker, throw him in there if someone gets injured. Or you could put Hooker or or Oliveira, some of those guys. Any of those, honestly, any of those matches mm-hmm. are great. You mm-hmm. can put any of those guys together and it'll be, it'll be great. So, Schwan, yeah. uh, I I probably go Connor and Dustin. Dustin because he's he's beaten he's beaten Justin he's beaten Justin before. He was on a longer win streak. He was an interim champion. I know that doesn't really count as much to Justin Gaethje, but he was one, and he's beaten Justin. Connor, off of two years, was better against Khabib than Dustin and Justin. <laughs> I mean, it's a fact. It's it a is fact. a fact. It and, is. And I... He beat Eddie, he beat Eddie Alvarez easy, who also knocked out Justin Gaethje. So then it's like I'd put Justin against Michael Chandler. I'd rather I'd rather Chandler face someone like Ferguson to come in early because I don't feel Chandler's proven anything in the UFC. But I can't. I I don't think that's a good fight. I'd probably put Hooker against Ferguson, and then that would be, and then maybe Charles the Bronx and maybe Bobby Green or somebody. Whoever the last Ooh, two. Oh, Bobby Green, Bobby King yeah. Green, Bobby yeah. Green. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Bobby Green versus the Bronx. I love Bobby. Ferguson Green. versus Hooker. Um, Chandler versus Gagey, and then Connor versus Dustin would be at the top. I love it. Schwan Hugh bringing in Bobby King Green. Um, you know, uh, I heard Mike Heck, who I think, and these guys who do the show on MMA fighting are brilliant. Mike Heck, uh, EKC Leiden, Jed Mishu, the uh, attorney, and then Ant Walker was on. I know we love Ant Walker. I'd love me some Ant Walker. Um, but I want to ask you guys, and I'll start with Nick, and then we'll go to uh, Shawan. I heard Mike Heck suggest that he thought Dustin might run through Connor, and I don't see a world. I don't see any way at 155 pounds, or I don't care what Clay, but it's going to be at 155 pounds that Dustin runs through Connor. Am I crazy, or is Mike Heck crazy, or both of us? I mean, Mike Heck might assume that Connor isn't back to his true form. Maybe he thinks Connor's going to go on a drug binge in his camp and just not be physically prepared. I mean, if Con- if the Connor that showed up against Cowboy at 170 shows up at 155 against Dustin, it's going to be it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a competitive fight. Now, honestly, yeah. I mean, if Dustin lands on anybody clean, he could take anybody. Well, out. that's yeah. We're not. I'm saying. I think it's absurd. So yeah, I think it is too. Okay. And I, honestly, I, 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 I prefer. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I won't prefer, but I, I think Connor will win that against Dustin. No, I, 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 I can't stand Connor, but I mean Connor, I think he has the advantage in that fight. So Judge Humes. People, people get so caught up in his act, the shtick, and the tweets and everything, they forget what an exceptional fighter he is. He came off of two years of no MMA training. And he went four rounds, and he was the first guy to ever win a round off Khabib. Khabib, I, I was sitting with people who trained with Khabib before. When that third round came, they were worried. They were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This isn't good. Oh, my God. Like, he's Ooh. supposed to be smashing through this guy. I mean, as bad as Connor's supposed to be on the ground, 
I'm just good on the ground. He, he didn't get tapped out as quick as Justin. No, no Vince good Justin. He didn't get tap, tapped out as quick as Dustin Poirier. Like, these are actual facts. We saw yeah. Dustin was on, like, a six-fight winning streak, and he got finished in, like, what, three rounds? You know, it, it's – I think Connor is a better striker. I still think with a time off, Connor's fresher, and it's the same matchup problems as before. And if you saw Dustin in his last fight, it was a great fight with Daniel Hooker. But Daniel Hooker isn't an elite lightweight. And Justin with tooth and nail with him. That's not a good sign. Getting choked out by Khabib is different than going back and forth with Daniel Hooker. Daniel Hooker doesn't make it out of two rounds with Conor McGregor. He, he does not. So I, I think Dustin actually loses that fight. I think Dustin, as good as he is, is on the decline as far as his athleticism and his skill set. And he's starting slower. He doesn't get – he's not as sharp as quick because Hooker jumped on him quick. Connor jumps on a quick. Connor will knock him out, of, I think, inside of two rounds. I, I think Connor gets underrated because of people you, you – as, as Nick uh, will tell you, I demand objectivity on any show that I'm going to be a part of or even any discussion because I don't give a shit if you like a fighter or you hate a fighter. You talk about their relative – their chance to win objectively. Otherwise, I don't care. Otherwise, we're just talking like politics in America. I like That's this politician. I don't like up. that politician. That's okay. why so many camps get it messed up. Exactly. Connor is an amazing fighter. As you said, he did better than Justin Gaethje, an, all, a, an all-American wrestler, and he did better against Khabib than Justin did. So that should tell you all you need to know. And I think anybody who thinks... Now, obviously, Connor can walk in there off, you know, if he walks off the beach in Saint-Tropez to an arena to fight uh, Dustin Poirier, yeah, he'll get beat up. But, I mean, if he has a training camp to speak of, I don't see any universe where Dustin Poirier walks through Connor. And, in fact, I pick Connor. So, simple as that. And I love and respect Dustin Poirier, but I'm not going to be like certain members of Bloody Elbow who just go goo goo and gaga over because somebody's a great fighter and that individual was trying to tell me that she thought he had a good chance against Khabib. I said he has no chance. What are you nope. saying? He has no chance. I'm sorry. I, he has no chance. He does not have the right skill set to fight Khabib. And of course, he got tapped out quickly. So, anyway, um,. I'm, now I have some questions about the National Basketball Association for the Luka Doncic of MMA Media, Schwan Humes. That would be me. Well, do you want me to go Luka Doncic or you want to go Trey Young? Who do you want to be, uh, man? I, I told people Luka was going to be great. They told me he's going to be trash. I told them he's going to be killing it. I'll tell you what. Bill Simmons cannot believe that how many players were taken in front of Luka Doncic. Have you see, if you haven't seen him yet, Nick – how would you describe Luka Doncic, um, Shuan? Well, the main thing is he's he's a big white guy and he's slow. That's that's <laughs> that's why they thought he was going to struggle because in America and over there they focus a lot on skills, but the level of athleticism is lower. So you see a guy blow by Luka up there, you see some guy give him a trouble, and you're like, well, the athletes over here are twice as good as that, so he'll have tons of trouble. What they don't understand is most of these guys are up and down players, transition. They don't actually have skill sets. All the stuff that Luca does, jab steps, little fake pumps, that's like basic stuff. It's stuff that everybody gets away from because they grow six inches and they can jump over a car. So they stop doing it. So Luca is <laughs> actually winning, does well, based off of positioning, IQ, and technical skill. He's just way better skilled 
than almost everybody in the NBA. There's like maybe dope seven percent of people who are comparable skill level. That's why he kills people. It's just skill. It's change of speed, positioning, IQ, and skill. He's not explosive. He's not super long. He's not super fast. He's not even really a great shooter. It's just he's so he's he a good shooter. He's, he's a good, good but not great. Yeah, but he, he he knows how. There's no defense you can show him that he hasn't seen. He knows how to play in a team structure. He knows how to dominate. He knows how to spread the ball so the athletic guys can't double and triple him. He has good footwork. He knows how to dribble at a certain height so he can create angles and get through double teams. He has an answer for everything. He literally has an answer for everything. There's been very few people to just shut him down in any sort of game you've ever seen. Him. He's he, It's his skill. It's actual skill and, and proper skill development, which a lot of guys don't have. We still have guys who are stars who can't hit 15-foot jumpers. Russell Westbrook. When he drives, he, he – when he drives, he's kind of like Larry Bird, but he doesn't like back people down the way that Larry Bird did. I think, and you know, and Larry would back you down and then step back, you know, shoot that fadeaway. So he's yeah. a little different, but he's Larry. Larry was more physical. Um, Luke is still more of a finesse player, and he gets away with it just because, like I said, his handle. His I mean, when you're his skills, whatever, man. Whatever, whatever you throw at him, he you don't know you don't you don't see him speed up. Double team comes. He knows how to. He knows how to attack. You want to go one on one defend him. He knows how to attack. He knows how to manipulate the offense. He knows how to punish the offense scoring, driving to the basket, mid range, long range. He knows how to punish you by creating shots for other people. It's like you have to, you have to, you have to be so precise in what you're doing to stop him because he's just so good at what he's doing. He's like not just good like I've played a lot. He's good like I'm technically better than you. I actually have a much a better understanding of what we're doing here than you do. You might be faster, you might be longer, but you have no understanding of how to play this game. Oh, and by, and by the way, Nick, did we tell you he's like just turned 21? <laughs> he's playing Ooh. professionally at 15. Yeah, so, I'm a I'm a NBA noob. So. We're going to get you into it, man. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get you into it. All right, so real quick, do you want to go at, because uh, we've got an hour and 12 minutes, do you, uh, do you have anything – do you want to go at it about LeBron LeBron and Jordan? Sure, yeah. Okay. I, I, I can – I'll, I'll just I'll, – I'll tie this in with the Khabib-John Jones thing. Okay. John – Khabib and Michael will be at the same level because they worked this high level. They were undefeated, essentially. Jordan in championship fight – not fight, but game was undefeated. He had these huge moments, and he kind of maybe shaped the sport moving forward. And the way Khabib's leaving – he might really be shaping the sport moving forward. The thing with John Jones and LeBron is they're so dominant in every other aspect. Maybe they didn't win over the level of competition or they weren't as decisive, but they have so many records and so many other aspects of their career. It's like the, uh, the culmination of everything they've done outweighs the impact of the, of the highlights of Jordan or Khabib's career. Jordan's got the six rings. But what does LeBron have? He has scoring. He'll have more assists than Jordan, have more points than Jordan, have more rebounds than Jordan, play more playoff games than Jordan, been to the finals more time than Jordan. It's like just the length of his career will be longer than Jordan. He's he stated his peak longer than Jordan. So it's like it's all length of career and his culmination, the buildup of everything he's done. It's not that he's been so dominant for many period of time because as far as winning championships, which is the ultimate dominance, he's never had a five or six year period where it was just all LeBron. He's never had that. Jordan had three years straight, took time off, came back, and people don't understand how hard it is to take time off of a sport and then come back in a year and a half later be on top of the sport for another three years. He's well, never had the heights of Jordan, but he's had consistent performance over such a long period of time that there's no statistic that Jordan's going to have over him except 
He takes championships. Well, where I give where I give LeBron is he did the harder thing, and that is he was able to go to teams with lesser talent without a Jerry Krause that he spent. You know, as uh, I don't know if it was Nick Wright, but somebody said, "Oh no, it was Brian Winhor said." Ken Burns was able to tell the story of the Civil War in eight hours, and Jordan got from ESPN 10 hours to tell the story of just his basketball career. Meanwhile, yeah. they told the whole Civil War in two hours less than Jordan to bash the shit out of Jerry Krause and certain teammates that he didn't like, like Horace Grant. When you have an owner that then gets you a general manager who is a genius, I don't care what Jordan says, he's a genius, and he assembled talent around you and then he gets you a draft day trade olden polynes for scotty pippen he drafts a horace grant then he loses a grant he has a scott williams and a stacy king but then dennis rodman comes and john paxson leaves but they have a steve kerr right they have a bj armstrong oh and how about a multi-tool player that they brought up from europe everybody forgot he went and got tony kukoc so lebron never had a system like that he stayed seven years in Cleveland, brought a bunch of nobodies to the finals, which was incredible. And then he said, I'm out and I'm going to go and form my own squad. So he has what he's done that Jordan hasn't done is take disparate groups of lesser players to the finals on multiple different teams. He got two games off the Warriors without a 2015 Warriors without Kyrie and without Kevin Love and then he came back down 3-1 and beat a 73 win team is incredible what he's done and then he bring then he goes to the Lakers they get rid of all the young talent they had stupid people like me screaming and they bring in KCP they already had Rondo a team that Dallas said no thank you we don't want you anymore other teams didn't want they bring in Dwight Howard that had been on six teams that Kobe Bryant ran out of town. They brought in Markeith Morris, who was a waiver wire guy. They brought in a G League guy named Alex Caruso, who looks like me. Um, and somehow he coalesces this. And I said, the Clippers are going to kill this team. They got oh, Lou really Will. Hard. They got Kawhi. They got Pat Bev. They got Montrez. They got... Uh, Paul George, who 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 LeBron tried to get on the Lakers, and I said they're going to kill this team of guys that these bunch also. Then Avery Bradley leaves the bubble or doesn't says no, I'm not going, and he still wins. Jordan yeah, has not brought teams like LeBron has brought to the finals. Better offensive player, Jordan. Better defensive player, if you take the totality of their career, Jordan. Better team leader, able to coalesce. Groups of guys without punching them in the face, without yelling and screaming at him and making him feel like a puss. He's able to lead uh, these disparate guys groups to the final that Jordan could not. If you take Jordan, LeBron, and you put him on the Bulls, they still win six titles. Just they don't do it with LeBron uh, as dominant offensively as Jordan. I think a lot of people's hate towards LeBron is they feel LeBron's game is very... They feel like skill-wise, his game is very limited. Like, he can't go right and left. He doesn't have much of a mid-range. 
he doesn't have much of a post-up game. He can do it sometimes, but he doesn't do it often. That's true. And a, what a lot of people, when you see Jordan, they're like, Jordan had athleticism. But the thing that made Jordan so effective is that essentially he had an answer. He had an answer to any sort of defense you ran. He could drive it all the way to basket, finish around the layup package. He could dunk it on you. If you you cut him off, he could do a one dribble, two dribble pull up. If the pull up wasn't working, he could literally back you down, go over the right shoulder, go over the left shoulder. He could occasionally hit threes. He could create a little bit. They feel that LeBron's been a product of his incredible athleticism and his size. Not just the athleticism, but the size. LeBron, he's like, he's com- comparable to Jordan's athleticism, but he's like 80 pounds heavier than him. So it's LeBron right doesn't really, LeBron doesn't have to, he doesn't have to have footwork. He it's can right. just put, go ahead. It's right here. It's, yeah. it, this is what LeBron is. He All those things that you just said are true. He's not as good. He's not as good as Jordan offense. There's no doubt about it. But what if it, when you have Phil Jackson and you have mm-hmm. Tex Winter and you have Johnny Bach and you have the triangle for the entire run, well, of course, that's good. Yeah, and they just keep building around you. Of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- I'm just telling you where the hardcore. Yeah, the hardcore it's true. Because it's true. The hardcore basketball skill developers, the real old school basketball player, they like the versatility of Jordan's game. Like, like in certain games, like when he played uh, in the finals against Miami Heat, when he went, they said he had to kick it out. If he had a pull-up, if he had a mid-range pull-up game, he could have bust that and that would have been a game winner. It's like somebody said that was the right play for LeBron to make the pass. And I said it wasn't the right play basketball-wise. It was the right play for LeBron because LeBron doesn't have the skill set to attack that that position. He, d- he didn't have the skill set. His handle isn't really great. He's like a guy who's – the things that are elite about LeBron are his IQ and his passing. That's his actual elite skill set. His post-up game is an elite. His it's mid-range not. game is an elite. It's his three-point shooting game over the, the length of the career is elite. It's but in better. tight spots, it's not elite either. His driving to the basket, other than physically blowing past you and putting his shoulder down, it's not elite either. He's a bigger, better athlete, and that's where a lot of people get frustrated with him because they're like, I don't see the skill set. I don't see the I don't see the tools. I don't see the development. I see a lot of God-given talent, IQ, and passing ability. But as far as his actual defensive and offensive skills, they don't see the effort. And they don't see the, the technical awareness. And that's where a lot of guys have a problem with them. Because they, they look at Jordan as an actual, skillful, technical basketball player. And LeBron's more of a genius with great physical tools. Can, I, know, freak like out, can I freak out, Nick? I agree yeah. with everything that Shawan said. How about that, Nick? How about them Cowboys? Oh, whoa. I, I agree with everything. You know, being a, you're being objective there, DJ. Yep. I agree with every <laughs> single thing that Shawan said because Shawan's being objective and he's being analytical. He's not just going six for six, man. Ball game, mother. Uh. He's being, compare- he's being <laughs> analytical. But the thing is, what LeBron does is unseen. He didn't have all those advantages. He's not six for six, right? Yeah. Now, if it's only about the what I tell people, if it's only about the great player having a, the greatest player, then Jordan would have been thirteen for thirteen. He would have won in 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, all the way through ninety eight, save for the one year that he was in baseball. But he didn't because it's not about one player; it's about a team. And Jordan had the best team. If you were to say to me, "Is there any team?" that LeBron's had that would have beat the 96 Bulls? I would say no. Would the Golden State Warriors have beat the 96 Bulls? The the 20, uh, 2017, uh, I would say no. I don't think they would. 
Uh, I think that team was incredible offensively and defensively. But the ability to take, again, a disparate raise group level, of raise, men. Raise the level of play. And bring guys together and make them believe. Like, to me, when when he, when he Danny Green, he passed Danny Green the ball and he shot him. I'm like, what are you doing? LeBron, that's your shot. But you know what? He knows better than me. Jordan would have went in the back. He would have screamed at Danny Green. He would have made Danny Green feel like a loser. And then that Granny Danny Green would have shut down, and that would have been the end of him for the next game. But LeBron is a type of guys, like with J.R. Smith, guys that are a nightmare that I don't even want to see on my roster, and he makes those guys champions. Guys like KCP, guys like Dwight Howard, that everyone says, this dude is done. You can't get anything done with this guy. Now that dude's wearing a ring with just one other great player on the squad. And then everybody else, he raises their level of play. So to me, LeBron, I agree with everything you said skill-wise. Although LeBron does play great defense in spots. He has swatted guys, and uh, he's made some very big defensive plays. Although the breadth of his career, he's not probably the defensive player Jordan is. But his skill set is being able to coalesce guys and bring them together in one season sometimes and make a title. And MJ couldn't. MJ has never done that. So yeah, that's it, why I think they're you he's as it, good it, as MJ. It, it's always the argument people have with uh with LeBron and, and Michael Jordan or LeBron anybody because if you do LeBron versus Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant has the better actual skill set, but he 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 didn't have the ability to lead and raise people up around him. As somebody said Colin Cowherd on a ESPN I think or Fox News, he said when Jordan left the Bulls they still won 60 games. As soon as LeBron left the Cavs, 19 wins, baby. Yeah. Both times. Yeah. And 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 not like I've looked this up or anything. And the the Miami 37 wins. When LeBron leaves teams, they fall off a cliff. Look at the Lakers, were one of the worst teams in the league. You bring in LeBron, he has one year with the with the, the young guys. He says, "Get these guys out of here." Next thing you know, they won a title. He did the same thing in Cleveland. He did the same thing in Miami. It's just, it, it, it's uncanny. Jordan has not done that. He was able to do it with one of the best GMs ever that he spent hours on his, uh, on his uh, self-gratification uh, documentary that was basically Jordan jerking off for 10 hours saying what a shithead Jerry Krause was. That guy's a Hall of Famer, Jordan, okay? Uh, and Phil Jackson, and that having that triangle the whole way, and Scottie Pippen, as Nick Wright said, Jordan has never won. Uh, he without Scottie Pippen, he's never even had a winning season, less playoff win. He didn't even have a winning season before without Scottie Pippen in the lineup. Okay, uh, of the, all the they say the week the East was really weak. Here were the all-time players in the East during Jordan's run. You had Larry. You had Isaiah, you had Shaq, and the other all-time player was Pippen, who was on Jordan's team. So I don't know how LeBron, they said he ran through a weak East, can't do this in the West, did it in the West. Yep, no, that, that shut a lot of people up. That Winning in the West and winning under these circumstances is it's pretty, I mean, I don't know that people will say he's a GOAT, but it's going to make it really hard for the history books to call into question what kind of, leader and what kind of championship medal he has because this is the most tough situation you could possibly compete for a title. I mean, you had a work stoppage, you had a pandemic, 
you're isolated from your family for three months and somehow you were able to maintain your focus and get it done that that's legendary stuff i got one thing to say to you pat bev rondo's standing here check ball all right (laughs) All right. Oh, before before we go, before we All go, right. I just want to let people know um, two things. If you have a kid who's doing basketball, I'm going to tell people one thing, a couple things. Passing and catching is the least developed skill in basketball. Everybody works on your handles. I got somebody shots up. I got somebody drives up. Most kids cannot pass or catch the ball at a high level under duress or against good teams. A lot of shots are missed because they, they can't catch. A lot of shots are missed because it's bad passes. If you develop your kid to be a good passer and a good catcher of the basketball, you have given them a leg up. And secondly, as good as important as scoring is, most kids are not going to be are good enough at scoring to be strictly scored. You need to make sure your kid understands the game, can hit open shots, rebound, box out, all the, do everything else at a functional enough level to keep them in the game till their scoring comes around, if it ever comes around. Because most kids are never going to be good enough to get by just on shooting or scoring. So make sure you're teaching your kids or finding a trainer who will teach them an all-round game and a high IQ game, and they'll be able to function on any team at any level with any personnel up until the, the full extent of their athletic ability because it's not the best basketball player. It's the best athletes who are good basketball players. And so your kid's going to have limits. But give them all the tools to compete and contribute in different ways so they have a chance to make those teams and they have a chance to see how far they can go. That's just something I've learned as a person who, who's trained kids and I train a lot of kids who aren't top end athletes. And I've got them where they've had scholarship offers, where they've been able to play against higher level kids just because they can defend and rebound and they can pass. So that's just a tip for anybody who might have a kid who's doing basketball and you want a starting ground, that's where you should start from. Don't try to do step backs, all this stuff. That, that, that may not be for your kid. You can learn that later. Learn fundamentals, learn the basics, learn to play in a team structure, learn how to play with talent. And then if you get great or get super athletic, you can add all this stuff later, but this kind of stuff is always going to be a separator. Sorry. No, I, I really appreciate that. And by the way, if your kid does need a basketball trainer on Twitter, you can find Shawan yeah. at Black Jordan Breen. Give it up to Black <laughs> Jordan Breen. Get your kid some fundamentals because I feel like Tyler Hero is a Shawan Humes kind of player. Yes, he is. Oh, can I get an amen? Co-host. I note it. Amen. <laughs> I have to say this because my co-host for my podcast would kill me if I didn't mention it. Please. Once again, you can always find these on the MMA Ratings Podcast. Usually we come on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, we talk about the sport. I break down kind of coaching and analysis type stuff. And on Twitter, if you ever want to talk about the finer points of analyzing somebody or if you know a fighter who just needs some extra help, ask DJ. I, I know what I'm doing. And most of the fighters aren't world-ranked fighters. So if you feel like, well, I can't go to the Twitter guy, King Mo won a Risen tournament with my help. He said we won it. He said you're basically the Risen champion too, so that's why I call myself. Two-time Sure Dog Caller of the Year, 2015 Risen champion. No got doubt. Multiple titles. So if anybody needs help or you just want to get a different perspective on it, hit me up. I, I love talking to sport. I'll give you as much detail from my experience of what I've known firsthand and from what I've seen from afar. And thank you, DJ, for letting me be on the show. Nick, thank you for letting me run my mouth. I talk way too much. Everybody says so. But I appreciate y'all letting me talk oh, and have a good you're time. You're great, man. I'll come on anytime. <laughs> y'all let me know. I will be here for you. And it, DJ, thank you. DJ gave nice. me a big break in the UFC. He no. gave me a big break. I got, I got to work with a high-level fighter because of DJ. No, it so. was an, it was an honor to have you on, Schwan. And uh, what I was going to say is that I hope it won't be the last time and that we can get you on like soon again, uh, possibly to break down some of this lightweight business or something like that. I really would you like let that. Let me know, sir. And we let me know. It, I, I, I thank you greatly. You've done a great service to me. I had a 
great experience working with a fighter because of you. And I, I just appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for letting me be on the show. Thank you for giving me that opportunity to kind of test my metal, as you would say, as, as a strategist or a scout. There, there's no doubt, no doubt about your skill. Nick Cazono, uh, you can play the bass. Uh, and <laughs> I, Nick, I actually might need you. Now, you do own a – I want to clarify for the audience because you told me you're not a guitar player, but yet you do own a guitar. Am I correct? No, I don't own. A, I, don't, I don't own. I don't own a guitar. <laughs> you don't own a guitar. I'm a bass player. No, I don't own a guitar. Are you sure? I, you I can't. Why would I own a guitar, DJ, if I can't play it? That's a good point. Now, if That's I owned a, a guitar, point. I would probably learn how to play it, and then I'd be like, I could play a guitar. But That's a good point. No. <laughs> do you do, can can you make your bass have a lot of distortion? I don't think so. <laughs> is there a pedal? Have, no. Can we get you pedals right like now. the Edge has from YouTube? All right, all right. So we'll talk <laughs> about that later because I want to get a sp- I want to get Kate Casey on from Reality Life, and I want to redo her theme song, but with heavy metal guitar. So maybe we'll get Hank on that. Hank with his uh, with his uh, oh, Les Paul. Yeah. Hank can get busy. So yeah. thank you very much to my co-host uh, Nick. Especially for job, uh, Eat Thrash. What's up, man? Thank you for enduring <laughs> the NBA talk this year. We'll get you schooled up on NBA. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's really, it's year-round, actually. I mean, the NBA never ends. And, uh, of course, to the Black Jordan Breen, Schwan Humes. Uh, so for both of these fine gentlemen, and I do use that term loosely, uh, this, is D- <laughs> this is DJ saying thank you, peace out, and we'll see you down the road.